Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much to Rashawn for sending along a donation to support.greatdetectives.net. Thank you to ST and to Jack for uh, donating through our P.O. Box, Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Box 13. The original air date is March the 12th, 1948, and the title is The Dowager and Dan Holiday. <laughs> Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Dear Mr. Box 13, I address you as Mr. because I assume you are of the male sex. If you're a woman, disregard this letter. Come to my home at 7546 Brandon Drive as soon as you receive this. I shall be expecting you at once, and I shall state my reason for writing. I shall state my reason for writing this when I have satisfied myself as to your qualifications. Very truly yours, Mrs. Matilda Cortland. Mrs. Matilda Cortland? Now, why should one of the richest women in the world and one of the least accessible be writing to Box 13? And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, The Dowager and Dan Holliday. Golly, Mrs. Matilda Cortland. Impressed, Susie? I sure am. Why, nobody ever sees her. And practically no one knows what she looks like. She hasn't had a photograph taken in, uh... Come to think of it, I don't ever remember seeing one. Maybe she's a refuge. Susie, you mean recluse. Oh, do I? <laughs> when Matilda Cortland wants help, it's got to be something big. Okay, Susie, Mrs. Cortland's wish is my command. See you later. The Cortland mansion on Brandon Drive was the showplace of the city. People craned their necks to look at it. But all they ever saw was the dignified prim exterior. Ah, I was privileged. I saw the inside. Because when I rang the front doorbell... Yes, sir? Oh, how do you do? I'm the man from Box 13. Oh, will you come in, sir? Follow me, sir. I followed the butler down the hallway. The house was just as I expected. It was the 19th century refusing to believe that the 20th had ever rolled around. Then... One moment, if you please, sir. Yes? I beg your pardon, madam, but the... Gentleman you were expecting has arrived. So it is. 
That will be all, Jesse. Yes, madam. Stand there for a moment. Huh? I said, stand there for a moment. The room was darkened, the shades were drawn over the windows, and the heavy old-fashioned drapes let in very little light. Then my eyes became more accustomed to the darkness, and I saw her. Mrs. Matilda Cortland, practically a legend. She was about 75. Her white hair was drawn tightly back over her head and was covered by a jet-encrusted scarf. Her dress was a museum piece, and it fell to the floor in heavy folds. Now you've seen Matilda Cortland. That's an accomplishment, young man. Yes, I know it is, Mrs. Cortland. Come closer. That's enough. Now, turn around. Turn turn around? Yes. Are you a sample of what this modern age has produced? It's very nice out there, Mrs. Cortland. Matter of opinion. <laughs> How old are you? 32. You may sit down. Oh, thank you. Why didn't you come sooner? I only received your letter this morning. It's after one. I ate lunch. I've developed that bad habit. You've had lunch with me. Well, the letter didn't invite me. No matter. This is your advertisement in the Star Times? Uh, yes, it is, Mrs. Cortland. I saw it by chance. I never read newspapers. I form my own opinions, political, social, and moral, without aid from the press. Some of us, Mrs. Cortland, like to hear other sides of the questions that may come up. Stop arguing with me. Mrs. Cortland, I came because you asked me to. I assumed you had something in mind when you wrote to Box 13. I didn't know it would be a discussion, which neither That's of us... That's enough, young man. Do you have a name? Oh, yes, yes. Dan Holliday. Daniel? Only when I'm being formal. Why did you put this advertisement in the paper? Well, I told her she listened without changing expression. When I finished... Then you don't accept payment for your services. <sighs> no, I don't. Very well. You're going to help me. Oh, just a moment now. I haven't heard what you want me to do. Does that matter? You advertised that you would go anywhere, do anything. Well, maybe what you have in mind won't interest me. Mr. Holliday, I want you to do this for me. All right, then tell me what it is. Come here this evening for dinner. Oh, I'm sorry, but I have an engagement. Cancel it. Well, I, I can't. Nonsense. Anyone can cancel an engagement. Look, Mrs. Cortland, this is the 20th century. I know there were days when the word of Matilda Cortland was law to the society of this city... When engagements were canceled right and left to leave room and time for your dinner parties, but but I still have an engagement I intend to keep. You're unreasonable. No, correction. Independent is the word. No matter. But it does matter, Mrs. Cortland. Now, you'll excuse me. Oh, wait. Yes? Tomorrow night, then. I think I can make that. Seven o'clock. Please be prompt. Do I dress? Of course. And meanwhile, I'm supposed to guess what you want me to do. I know the dinner isn't all of it. That's quite right. You'll meet my grandson and a woman. And then? And then, no matter what I say, you're not to act surprised, astonished, or give the least sign that anything is strange or new to you. No matter what you say. You think you can manage that? I'll try, Mrs. Cortland. I'll try. Remember, what I say or do may startle you even shock you. But under no circumstances are you to betray your feelings. Now, Jessup will show you to the door. I shall expect you tomorrow evening at seven. Well, Box 13 has brought out some pretty fancy routines. But this one was different. I found out what it was all about that evening at dinner. I met a grandson who was about 25 and a girl who was, well, maybe a little younger than he. I was still wondering what it was all about, and so was the grandson, Peter. The girl seemed nervous, ill at ease, 
Matilda Cortland wasn't making it any easier for her. That's right. Uh, yes, Mrs. Cortland. Did you say your father had been an engineer? Oh, please, Grandmother. Peggy's told you he was five times. Peter, I am speaking to Miss Wright. Sorry. What sort of an engineer, Miss Wright? Well, he... Civil, mining, chemical, what? He was a locomotive engineer. Oh, really? On what railroad? Grandmother, please. Peter, do not interrupt. I... Peter, I, I'd like to go now. But, my dear, we were to spend an evening together. I've heard so much about you from Peter that I feel that I'd like to know more. Yes, Mrs. Cortland. Uh, we really got to go, Grandmother. We're, we're expected somewhere. Oh? Where are you going? Well, does that matter? Yes. Where are you going? To the Club Pierre. What's that? Daniel, do you know? Oh, yes, it's a very nice club. Dancing, dinner... A cabaret? <laughs> they don't call them that anymore, Mrs. Cortland. Very well. I shall go along. What? I shall go along. But, but, but... Stop sounding like a motorboat, Peter. Well, Daniel, would you like to go? If you would. But, Grandmother, you, you can't go. Would I be barred because of my age? Oh, no, of course not, but... Then why can't I go? Well, I... I guess there's no reason, but... You'd have to leave the house. I didn't expect to carry it along like a turtle with his shell. Oh, of course not. There's a very good reason I want to come along. Isn't that right, Daniel? <clears throat> yes, yes, there is. I've decided that I've been locked away from the world too long. Now I have a reason for getting out into it, renewing an old acquaintance, so to speak. Moreover, since I'm going to be married, I... What? What, what did you say? Yes. Daniel and I are engaged. <coughs> Mr. Holliday, are you all right? I, uh, <clears throat> I never felt better in my life, I think. You must be more careful, Daniel. <sighs> yes, I, I can see that. Well, Peter, you and Miss Wright run along then. Daniel and I will join you later. Uh, yes, Grandmother, come on, Peggy. Excuse me. I've reserved a table. You can just ask for me at the club. Very well. Look, Mrs. Cortland. Be quiet. Now, what were you going to say? Why did you say that? About you and me, Daniel? Yeah, that's it. You saw that girl. That's right, yes, yes. What about her? What's she got to do with this? That girl's a fortune hunter. She's after Peter's money. My money right now. And where do I fit in? I think when she realizes Peter is not liable to inherit my money, we can forget her. In other words... Exactly. You would inherit my money as my husband. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't have any intention of keeping on with this, do you? I never start what I cannot finish. I'm sorry, but you can count me out. Why? Because it's ridiculous. I love my grandson. I would do something ridiculous to make him happy. Oh, go talk to him, then. I've tried. He's infatuated with that girl. All right, forget that. What kind of a reputation do you think this will give me? I'll be the fortune hunter. Not at all. You earn a very good living from your writing. Yeah, I know, but... I have enough influence to keep this out of the papers... I promise you, this will be between you, Peter, that girl, and myself. No. No, I can't. I... Daniel, I'm an old woman. I have nothing in the world but that boy whom I love dearly. When I die, I want to be sure he's happy. I'm lonely, Daniel. Very lonely. The only comfort I have is Peter. And that comfort would be taken away if I thought for even a moment that his happiness would be ruined by a, a woman who cares nothing for him but for what money he'll have when I die. 
Please, Mrs. Cortland, what you're asking is... I know a great deal. It might cause you embarrassment. But believe me when I tell you that it cost me a great deal in pride just now to confide in you, a stranger. I know what people say about me. Matilda Cortland, tyrant, money bag, reckless, all those and more. But... Let me finish. Then you can decide. I'm afraid to leave this house. Afraid? Why? Because I'm afraid of the outside world. When my husband died, I went on. Then my daughter died. My son-in-law died. Peter is all that's left. I want him to be happy, and I'm willing to sacrifice anything to see that he is. Mrs. Cortman, you're making it tough on me. It'll be just as tough on me as you put it. How, how long does this go on if I agree? Until I find out. <laughs> well, I'm a sucker, Mrs. Cortland. But all right. Thank you. Now, Daniel, please take me to the club pier. So we went to the club pier. I don't remember much about what happened, except that I felt like a goldfish in a bowl without water. Well, I played my part and went on for two days more. Then in my apartment... I've come to see you, Holiday, because I want to talk with you. All right, Peter, sit down and talk. You can't be serious. About grandmother, I mean. What makes you say that? Well, you just can't. Why, she's old enough to be your grandmother. She's charming, gracious... And rich. Money isn't everything. It must be to you. Now, wait a minute, Peter. What your grandmother does is none of your concern. It is when she makes a fool of herself, or when someone does it for her. Meaning me? Meaning you. I don't think I have. Besides, I'm having fun. I've learned to drive her electric runabout. It's a little slow, no, but you're not even uh... serious now. How do you know? Because it's ridiculous. Maybe she thinks your romance is ridiculous. That's none of your business. All right. All right, it's none of my business. And what I do is none of your business. And you insist on going on with this? Why do you say that? Because if you do, I'll find a way to stop it. Oh? How? I don't know, but I will. Is that a threat, Peter? No, that's a promise. All right. As long as we're playing, oh, promise me, I can promise you that I'll take care of myself. We'll, we'll see about that, Holiday. And I warn you, you're going to get into trouble. Now, back to The Dowager and Dan Holliday, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Well, it all looks so simple. Just go along with the game and tell Matilda Cortland called it off. Yeah, sure, that was all. Then one night at her home... Tonight, Daniel, you're taking me to the opera. Oh? Look, Mrs. Cortland, don't you think this has gone far enough? I'm not finished. Well, we're getting no place. Peggy Riley says... I'll be the judge of when we stop, Daniel. Now, hand me that case on the table there. Oh, this one over here? Yes. Here you are. Have you ever heard of the Cortland Emeralds, Daniel? Oh, who hasn't? Now you're going to see them. <whistles> Beautiful, aren't they? Well, I won't argue with you. <laughs> they were to go to Peter's bride. As they came to me. Mm, nice little trinkets. Each one is perfect and perfectly matched to the next. Twenty of them. Uh, you're going to wear that necklace? Yes. Fasten it for me, Daniel. 
All right. As I fastened the clasp of the necklace, I got a funny feeling. Maybe it was the jewels themselves, green, glowing in the yellow light of the room. Then, when I finished... Thank you, Daniel. Now, if you're ready... All right, let's go. Oh, wait a minute. I think I hear Peter. Hmm? Grandmother, are you just about ready to... The emeralds? Yes, Peter, the emeralds. I'm wearing them tonight. But, but you can't. Why not, Peter? Well, I mean, it's... It's dangerous, isn't it? Why? Well, all I meant was, are you sure the clasp is tight? It won't come loose or anything. Of course not. Come along, Daniel. Yes, sure. And Peter? What? You can close your mouth now. I didn't hear much of the opera because I kept thinking how strange Peter had looked when he saw the necklace. How Matilda Cortland had looked. As if warning her grandson to be quiet say nothing more. Then the opera was over. I drove her home, and I went home to bed. Yeah? Who is it? Holiday. Uh-huh. Open up. Well, who is it? Police. Police? Wait a second. Hey, what's up? You're Dan Holiday. Yeah, that's what the name on my mailbox says. Why? Move over. Sergeant, stay out here. Now, wait. What's the big idea? Got a warrant to bring in. Maeve? What for? Sworn out by Mrs. Matilda Cortland. What? Yeah, let me see that warrant. You like the way it's written, Holiday? Well, what's the charge? Robbery. This is insane. What are you talking about? I can't talk any plainer than I did, Holiday. Robbery of what? Ooh, of about 20 emeralds. <laughs> After I came inside this house. It, it was just after I'd left Mr. Holiday. No one else was with you. You know as well as I do that I didn't take that necklace. It was missing. Then look all over the house. The insurance company has already done that. Well, Holiday, You said that once. Did I? Well, you didn't answer it. I can't. Will you need me anymore, officer? No, I don't. Uh, excuse me. You can hang up Jessup. I've taken it here in the library. Uh, yes, of course. It's for you, officer. Thank you. Hello? Uh-huh. Oh. Okay. Stay there. Got any good answers, Holiday? Answers to what? How the necklace got into your apartment? <gasps> oh, this was a beauty. I was looking out of a frame that crowded me, but good. I knew Mrs. Cortland had that necklace when she had left me last night. I saw it, yet how could it get in my apartment? And why? And so I saw Kling, and he pulled some strings, and I was out on bail. I had to get some answers fast, and I thought Peter could give them to me. I'm sorry, Holiday. I can't do a thing. Listen, you saw that necklace when your grandmother and I left for the opera last night. And I saw it when I brought her home. Then how did it get into your apartment? Maybe you've got an answer. No. Listen, your eyes popped out of your head when you saw your grandmother wearing that necklace last night. Why? I, I knew something would happen. How did you know? What gives you the right to question me? I'm doing it. <laughs> all right, go ahead and ask. I was with your grandmother all evening. And you know? I wasn't. If you want to check, go ahead. But it looks as though you're in a mess, Holiday. Well, there's nothing 
I could add to that. Sure, I checked. Peter was in the clear. He hadn't been near his grandmother from the time he saw us until the next morning. Yet someone had to take that necklace and plant it in my apartment. And it looked like a frame-up between Peter and his grandmother. But why? Why frame me? Why go through this whole elaborate fix just to fasten a crime on a guy they'd never seen before? And I got an idea. I went to the insurance company. Of course, Mr. Holliday, now that the necklace is recovered, we have nothing more to do with the case. But if it hadn't been recovered, you'd have paid the claim, right? Certainly. Mm. But it's not the insurance money they were after. Mrs. Cortland? <laughs> Certainly not. Why, she's enormously wealthy. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it is a little strange, come to think of it. What's strange, come to think of what? Probably nothing, but uh, we were due for our routine checkup in just two days. Checkup? Of what? Well, you must know we make a checkup on insured objects every so often. And one was due in two days. Yes. Oh, I see. I beg your pardon? Oh, nothing, nothing. Well, thanks very much. But it still didn't make sense. It still came back to the necklace being found in my apartment. Then, then I figured out another angle. And my next stop was to see Miss Peggy Wright. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I asked a simple question, Miss Wright. And that was, when were you and Peter planning to leave? Leave? Leave where? Now, cut it out. You know what I'm talking about. I say you and Peter planned to elope. We didn't. We never even thought of it. Are, are you telling the truth? Of course I am. Why should I lie about that? I don't know. Look, Miss Wright, are you in love with Peter? Yes. You want to get married? If it weren't for her, we... But if I marry his grandmother, then you wouldn't get the money. Oh, I don't care about that. Well, I could swear she was telling the truth. At first, I'd thought Peter had taken the necklace so that he and Peggy could get away from Mrs. Cortland. But it was a dead end again. And there was that other thing bothering me. Why frame me? Then I went back to see Mrs. Cortland. I can give you ten minutes, Mr. Holliday. That's all I want, just a couple of questions. Wait. If I promise not to prosecute, if I drop the whole thing, will you forget it? Now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. You're... Willing to forget all this? Yes. Why? Because perhaps I like you. Oh, no. That's not it. Then I have nothing more to say. Yes, but I have. Why did you decide to wear that necklace to the opera last night? It's mine, and I wear it when I please. But why last night? And why was it missing this morning? It's a little too much of a coincidence that you wore the emeralds last night and that they were found in my apartment this morning. Please leave, Mr. Holliday. And Peter almost fell over when he saw you with that necklace that night. And... And what? And this morning, when you heard it was found in my apartment, you almost fell over. Come on, Mrs. Cortland. What's going on? Do you want money to forget all about this? No, I don't want money. I want the truth. Maybe even then I won't forget it. Jessup will show you out. Jessup will find himself on the end of a fist if he tries it before I find out a few things. I'll call the police. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll wait. Well, why don't you call? I have no wish to harm you. Mrs. Cortland, I... What were you going to say? Nothing. Nothing at all. I'm just getting an idea, that's all. An idea. Fantastic, but it made sense. I lined up my facts. First, Peter's reaction when he saw the necklace. Second, the insurance checkup was due just after the necklace disappeared. Third, Peter hadn't had a chance to touch the necklace between the time I saw it last and when it appeared at my apartment. 
unless he and his grandmother were trying to frame me. That didn't make sense because there was no reason in the world for them to do it. So I called a cling, another chase around the city, and I found the man I was looking for. Okay, I had everything I needed. And I called that evening at the Cortland Mansion. I made sure Peter and his grandmother were there, and I took Peggy with me. And in the library... This is the last time we'll see you, Mr. Holliday. I don't think so, Mrs. Cortland. Not after the little game we played. What do you mean? When we first started this twister, you said you'd do anything for Peter. What are you getting at, Holiday? And you, Peter, you said you'd get me in trouble. Listen. No, you listen. You planted that necklace in my apartment. Silence after that, huh? But it's true. You uh, wanted to frame me. Mm-hmm. But you, Mrs. Cortland, you suspected he took the necklace, didn't you? You're quite mad. Oh, no. With the insurance checkup coming, you wanted to avoid a scandal because you thought Peter had taken the necklace. You had a paste one made. Uh-huh. I checked and found out. The paste one was the one you wore to the opera. And Peter... What? That double take you did when you saw the paste necklace almost floored you. Because you thought you had the necklace. You... You didn't mean to steal it, did you, Peter? Boy. Holiday's right, Grandmother. So you reported the missing necklace, the paste necklace, Mrs. Cortland. Never thinking the real one would show up. Peter, you you owe Mr. Holiday an apology. And there is the understatement of the year. Mr. Holiday, I what can we do? Peggy. Yes. Come here. You too, Peter. All right. Peter, you wanted to protect your grandmother by showing me up as a crook. Mrs. Cortland, you wanted to protect your grandson any way you could. It seems to me a, a lot of energy was wasted that could be used to good advantage. What do you mean? Why don't you stop trying to run other people's lives, Mrs. Cortland? Let Peter and Peggy get married. I'm sure it isn't his money. She's after... I... If you don't, this would make juicy reading in the papers, I'm afraid. You wouldn't. Oh, oh yes, I would. Very well. Okay, Peter. You and Peggy run along, huh? Holiday, I... Ah, that's good enough. So long. And I, Mr. Holiday? You and I are going to the Club Pierre. You're very chivalrous, Mr. Daniel. <laughs> so you admit chivalry still lives. Okay, let's go. I'll get the electric runabout and we... No, no, no. Let's go in your car. The runabout's a little slow. And so everything's all right now, Mr. Holiday? It sure is, Susie. Oh. What's so funny? I was just thinking. She couldn't have lost the paste necklace. All right, all right. I'll play straight, man. Why not? Because, because it would have stuck to her neck. See? Oh. I'll go get the mail for box 13. Good night, Mr. Holiday. Next week, same time, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holiday in box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville with an original story by Russell Hughes. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. 
Production is supervised by Vern Carstensen. This is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd and his latest Paramount picture. Welcome back. I didn't actually recognize uh, the voice of the woman who played the Dowager, but it was a really good performance. I don't think it was Jeanette Nolan. Uh, Might have been, but I think her uh, older women uh, tend to to be played a little bit differently. But this was a pretty well-rounded character for a 27-minute story with a bit of arrogance, but also some vulnerability that really did make her likable. All right, well, listener comments and feedback, and this one comes from ST. Uh, Just a couple comments on your program. This is long past, but regarding the guy who called his girlfriend Glamourpuss, that was highly annoying, but far worse than that was his telling her to shut up. And once I even heard him threaten to hit her over the head with a water pitcher. I guess I just chalked those up to a different time in what was acceptable to broadcast to the public. And it can't be changed. It is history, after all. Uh, And I think that is uh, true. Certainly, shortly after Stand By for Crime, the series you're referring to, uh, the Honeymooners uh, became quite popular. And, of course, you know, Ralph Cramden's threat of To the Moon was one of the show's big catchphrases. Now, I don't think that Chuck Morgan intended actual violence any more than Ralph Cramden did. And if the audience actually thought they did, it'd be problematic. Of course, you know, in the 21st century, we become more aware of uh, some issues, including violence against women, so... Understandably, this isn't something that we would hear or once said in a modern context. Last, a comment about Alan Ladd. I think he is the worst actor I've ever heard. His voice is so flat, so monotone, and without emotion. How in the world he ever got to be a famous actor is completely beyond my understanding. I don't really view... um, Alan Ladd that way. I don't think his voice is monotone. I tend to think it's uh, uh, smooth. And I actually like his voice. And you also have to remember he was a screen actor, so would think his looks would have also been part of his success. Which obviously doesn't come over radio. Now, when it comes to, you know, the quality of his voice, there are varying opinions. But I think it would be said that people, you know, back in the 1940s, and even those today who uh, enjoy his old work, both uh, in film and on radio, viewed him differently than you did. Uh, Your program... Uh, have accompanied me on literally thousands and thousands of miles walking my dog, so keep it up. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate the comments, and I also have to respect uh, being able to listen to a radio drama while walking uh, your dog. I love my dog, Rocky, but he's at a point where I have to be absolutely focused on him all the time in order to keep him out of mischief. We're uh, working with him and getting him some training, so maybe someday. 
appreciate the note. And then uh, also uh, have a brief note from Jack. Jack writes, Hi, Adam. Just want to say thanks for your hard work and attention to detail. Uh, much appreciated. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your note, Jack, and your support of the show. I also want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Lanny. Lanny has been one of our Patreon supporters since September 2018, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Lanny. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for It's a Crime, Mr. Collins. And then next Monday, we'll be back with another episode of Box 13. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.